Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, October 28th. We are here live. It's time for trucking technology and efficiency. Joel's here with me. John said he was going to try to make it today, but he is still in Italy, and I think they have some racing going on today, so I'm not sure if he's going to make it. Today is going to be a quick show, one hour only. I've got a train to catch. I've got to start heading east. So I'd love to focus on callers today. Um, Joel and John and I have done some recordings, so we have live shows for next week. Uh, It was just the three of us hanging out and talking. Really love to get your calls today. So jump in quick. Calls are already starting to come in. That's awesome. We'll get to them. 855 nine five zero three eight three five you can talk about whatever you want but we'd love to focus on some efficiency and fuel mileage and maintenance and those kind of topics but it's up to you we're going to get started and joel welcome back hey great to be back Seems like we were just doing this like uh, 12 hours ago or something, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm out on the road, though. I'm not parked at the truck stop, so I've got some, some decent scenery. I'm not looking at the back of, a, of an orange truck all day. Yeah, there you go. That's oh, right. Yeah. L- last night, the recording was kind of funny. We all got on the phone ahead of time, which we don't do on live shows. You know, on live shows... I don't talk to the guest ahead of time. We just bring them in and start. But when it's a recording, we got on and we started talking. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, guys, stop. Wait a minute. We should be recording this stuff. Let me get the recording going. So then I got it started. And the next day, oh, I, I said, hey, it's an hour. And we're like, how did that happen? Um, was, uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of, lot of good stuff. Uh, hold on. I am being told that uh, somebody's not hearing the show. Why not? Uh, okay. Aaron's hearing it. You're hearing me. We must be okay. Um, Aaron, keep, keep checking for me, Aaron. It looks like everything's okay on my end. So, um, And you can hear me. Morgan's on the same system, so I wonder why she's not hearing me. We'll figure it out. Um, it looks like we're live, which is fine. And we're recording, which is good. So um, we'll be all right there. So uh, I, I don't really have anything at all today. Um, I'm just kind of scrambling. It's been a crazy week. Got to get on a, a train here and start heading east. Hey, um, I will be in Tennessee all next week. I get there Monday morning, and I won't leave till Friday. Sometime on Friday, I got to book a flight back. Um, I'll be in Nashville and Memphis if you happen to be heading through that way. I am heading over to, um, where am I heading over to Sanger, Texas, and I'm going to reload Monday morning out of there heading for the Boston, Massachusetts area. So depending on how I go back, I may be going through there. Yeah, I was thinking that. So I have to look at it when I yeah, after I get loaded. Yeah, I, yeah. I was so I may be, may be going through. You were in Florida. I thought you were might heading west. Who knows? It's a possibility, and I'll be there all now. Yep. Um, even if I were in the event, the uh, uh, the event's free. Uh, it's like a half a day kind of thing. I'll do one on Memphis or one in 
Memphis on Tuesday, so it's like eight to one, uh, and then mm-hmm. on Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday, um, I have it in the same event, Nashville, like eight to one. It's a free event. It's a gotcha. leadership conference, and they're providing two meals. So I told all listeners, stop in. You know, you've been to these events. They very, very seldom do you find sure. owner-operators or drivers at these events, even when they're invited. And, you know, I, I, mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't have started going to these kind of things either, except um, when I got talked into being on the Florida road team. Um, at the time, my mm-hmm. biggest fear in life was public speaking, and that's what the road team was. <laughs> I mean, all you really did on the road team is you went around and did speaking engagements. And, you know, actually, sure. the public speaking part was the really hard part for me. You know, I didn't, I had plenty to talk mm-hmm. about. I just didn't want to get up there in front of a whole bunch of people and talk about it. And on the road team, we actually spent more time presenting to people outside of the trucking industry. That was the whole point of it, to try ah. to improve the image of trucking. So we would go to speak to gotcha. other other groups that were just looking for speakers or topics or, you know, and we'd go talk about sharing the road and safety. And um, we did some other cool things right along sure. with law enforcement. And um, it, it was, a, I, I really enjoyed it. I, uh, I was on it for two years. I was on the second uh, Florida road team. The The first one, one of my best friends was on it. He mm. talked me into doing it. Um, and then that's usually like the, the farm team for the people who might want to be on, um, uh, America's road team, the ATA's program. Sure. Yeah. So they're run by sure. state nice. associations and a, I, I, I don't know if every state has one, but I know a lot of them do. And I encourage drivers to look into it. You know, if it's a, it's kind of a cool, cool break. The carriers almost always agree to pay you your normal wages while you're out speaking. So that mm-hmm. was kind of cool. Um, FedEx, mm-hmm. if if mm-hmm. if any of my speaking would have interrupted with you know my driving, they would just reimburse me for what I would have made during that time. So it was a really oh nice yeah it was a really great program. Um, I haven't been involved in it in a long, yeah, long cool. time, but it was a lot of fun. And then the America's Road team, I, I, I wanted to do that. And I was really kind of preparing myself to do it. And unfortunately, the year that I was getting ready to do it was the same year that I got back out of the truck again and wasn't driving full time. Mm. One of the criteria was you had to be gotcha. driving full time. So gotcha. and I missed out on that deal, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, that's really all I've got. We've yeah. got some calls coming in. Anything specific on your mind you want to get out there? Yeah. Good. Um, I got a phone call after we actually got off the phone uh, last night from a Volvo dealer. And I'm not going to give the name out yet, but they want to hire me to come in and train or work with their salespeople one-on-one, work with their guys in the shop, and then they want to set up some type of an arrangement to kind of specialize in selling trucks that with my specs on them. That is awesome. So I thought that was really cool. That's exciting. <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we're working out some details and you know, as soon as, uh, as soon as I'm comfortable giving out a name and whatnot, I'll do that. Yeah. But, uh, they're very, very serious about this. So, um, 
it's kind of the whole package. It's going to be the maintenance and the sales. You know, it's, it's not, it's so hard to find both at a single dealership. It seems like, and, um, they're, they're very serious about this. So, uh, I'll keep you all updated when I when I know more. Absolutely. I, I love this. This is exciting for you. It's exciting for our listeners. But honestly, somebody at that dealer's got, they nailed it. This is going to be so good for them. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. No doubt, yeah. I mean, somebody yeah. somebody yep. knows yep. what they're doing and, you know, really gets it at that dealer. You know, you and I, I think, would both agree. I, I have been a Volvo fan since the early 90s. The only reason I moved away from them was mm-hmm. engine. And, you know, now I understand mm-hmm. I probably didn't have to if I could have just understood that engine better at the time. Um, but I've always been a big fan. Mm-hmm. They were They were the first sponsor I ever had. They, they sponsored the, the partners mm-hmm. in business program early on. Um, but, and I remember the very first partner in business, the, um, there was, if I remember right, it was either the CEO or somebody right below him. There was a whole contingent from Sweden that was over there at that event. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how big that was for them at the time. Um, and I remember... Uh-huh. It was one of my first speaking engagements. In fact, I wasn't the keynote. I wasn't the speaker. I was supposed to be on a panel. Mm-hmm. They had a, a main speaker, a guy who had written a book about how to be an owner-operator back in the 70s. The guy was really smart. Mm-hmm. He knew his stuff. <laughs> he actually went on. Yeah. Um, he ran a whole bunch of truck driving schools in the Northwest. Um, really knew his nice. stuff. He turned out to be the worst speaker in the world. Oh my God, was this guy bad? Really? Yeah, and it was such a shame because I was talking to him the whole day up leading up to the event, um, and I was learning mm-hmm. a lot from him. You know, and and I, I was there to talk mostly about taxes and accounting. The they had a Volvo gotcha. engineer that was on the panel to talk about trucks. They had a guy on the panel to talk about insurance. They had an attorney to talk about legal mm-hmm. issues. Really well set up. So I don't want to tell this. I'll give the quick version of this. The guy totally bombs (laughs) the whole, you know, crew from Volvo Sweden's in the back. And I'm I'm watching them because I'm just sitting on the stage and the panel's doing nothing because this guy's going on and on and on about stuff. Nobody knows what he's talking about. Um, And he's telling this Mm -hmm. audience that you have to make a dollar fifty three a mile to even think about profit when I was pulling for 73 cents a mile at the time. And most of the people in the room were. He, he, his information right. was like pre-deregulation. And he hadn't updated it. Right. So he had everybody lost. He, they, they forced uh-huh. him to take a break. And during the break, they called me over from the panel and they told the speaker, mm-hmm. when we come back from this break... Don't say anything. Just ask the audience if there are any questions, and whatever the question is, give it to Kevin. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. I'm only here to talk about taxes and accounting. What do you mean give it to me? What if it's insurance? And they're like, well, Overdrive was putting it on, and they knew that I knew a little bit about insurance and fuel mileage and all those other things. And they said, look, you know enough to start answering the question, and if you need some help, then bring in the insurance guy or whatever. I'm like, all right, whatever. So now I'm totally nervous, and I'm just, I'm like, waiting. The guy gets up on stage, just starts talking again. 
didn't ask anybody for questions. Uh, and he's going on and on and on. And all I'm thinking in my mind is, okay, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? And all of a sudden, out of the blue, and I know this guy did it on purpose. Out of the blue, he looks over at me and he says, uh-huh. Kevin, what do you think about that? I'm like, shit, I have no idea what he was talking about. I wasn't listening. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? So I, I, don't, I don't even know why I did this. I got up from my seat. I walked over to the center of the stage and I said, before I talk about that, does anybody have any questions? And hands went up everywhere. And I spent the next, uh, two, next two hours answering nice. questions. They fired the guy and gave me the job. <laughs> that was how I got started. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, your, your moment of nervousness oh, was man. actually your opportunity. Oh, yeah. You'd be salivating at a chance like that today oh, in a situation geez. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of funny. Oh, Jesus. All right. Hey, we're, we are going to jump to some awesome. calls, but I just looked at my notes, and I did have two things from yesterday I wanted to run by you. Um, one of them, uh-huh. I, had a, I had an interesting call. A guy had a T880, the big ARI sleeper, um, pulled flat deck, uh-huh. getting horrible fuel economy like you would expect. Um, but we went through a lot uh-huh. of things, and I said, look, there's not a lot of numbers anywhere that I can find but we can apply some physics. I, I don't think a big sleeper has a huge impact on fuel economy. It, the sleeper itself is uh-huh. fairly smooth and aerodynamic. We're, we're, you know, there's more friction and drag, obviously, just because we have more surface. So there is an impact. Sure. The, usually a big sleeper can affect gap and you know, weight distribution, but you know, you're hauling mostly light mm-hmm. because he has to. Uh, gap isn't going to matter much because mm-hmm. you're, you're flat deck. So, uh, you know, and I said, it's really just a matter of better specs. You know, we could do seven and a half or eight, like with a truck like this, certainly not out of the question. Um, and he wanted to, sure. you know, he's been listening to you and I talk about the Volvos and he wanted to spec a new Volvo. And he said, the only mm-hmm. reason I don't know if I should right now when he went to price it with a similar ARI sleeper, he was at three hundred and seventy-five thousand. Holy Jesus! Yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's what I said. Wow. Yeah. 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 So I hmm. said, "Look, that's yeah, that's I, pricey, no yeah, doubt." I said, "Look, I I couldn't do it. I couldn't recommend it. Not unless you're independently wealthy and you're just not worried about you know a downturn in rates and all the other things that might be coming." Um, and he said, "Well, I get it, but what about the you know if I order this thing, it's going to take me two years to get it. So when do I order it?" Mm-hmm. And then it was down to the details. I'm like, "Well, a lot will depend on can you cancel the order." Probably not on a custom ARI mm-hmm. sleeper. Um, you know, right. how much are you going to have to tie up in money? It, it, there's just so many factors there. But I said I'd be very, very cautious about committing too much money to something like this right now. I agree. I agree. I mean, we could do some pretty cool stuff as far as specs and stuff and, right. and the fuel efficiency. But damn, that right. that purchase number, wow. That's yeah. And, That's out there. That's and for it, sure. You know, it'd be kind of fun, the challenge of, you know, figuring out weight distribution. And like you said, we know so many more things now. We have so many more options that it would be fun to build some of those kind of specialty trucks. Sure. 
Sure. But, yeah, absolutely. Ooh, glad absolutely. I wouldn't be the one paying for yeah. it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd have fun building it, but I sure as hell wouldn't want to pay for it. <laughs> right. uh, wow. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the clock. We're going to just jump into the phone calls because we, uh, we've got lots. Of, I asked for them and they're here, so we're going to take them. Herschel, welcome. Awesome. All righty. Hey, guys. What's up? Well, Joel, you said to let you know how things are going with this thing. Uh, so far, I've done six fill-ups. Only two of the six were under eight. Right now, my average is 7.93, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doing the containers. Um, now, Kevin, I understand the air, the speed, the drag, 65 against 55 miles an hour. But this one with the 264, this kind of, I guess, would be for Joel. Am I still better at 55 miles an hour at just a tick above 1,200 than I am at 65 miles an hour at 11, 1150? Uh, uh, as a general rule of thumb, yes. Anytime you're going slower, um, it's going to require less energy. Now, there's a lot of variables in there. Uh, if you're, and this is how I drive with mine. So if, I don't know if you can, can you shift yours manually or does it have a fleet shifter in it? No, it's got the performance shifter. It's got the, okay. Everything on the, on the seat. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, when you are heavy on the flat or you're moderate weight and you're pulling a load, um, I tend to run in direct drive when I am heading, you know, down a grade that maybe is not steep enough to get me into eco roll, then I'll kick it up into overdrive and drop that RPM. So it's really a function of power demand. So if you have high power demand, go ahead and run that thing in direct. If your power demand's a little bit lower, then you're better off running in overdrive. And that's kind of exactly why Volvo went to that 264 or what, 10 years ago now, 15 years ago, it's, they've had it out for a while with the overdrive and they didn't do it as a direct because it gives you some flexibility when your power demand is low, you can get up into that overdrive gear. But, uh, as a general rule of thumb, the slower you go, regardless of the gear, you're going to get better fuel efficiency as a general rule. So you know, here's the, yep. Herschel, here's the other thing to do here with with the ability to see instant fuel economy now, just really play around with a lot of things because Joel mentioned there's a ton of variables here. The general rule, yes, the slower we go, speed is the number one factor in fuel economy. It trumps everything else because of the physics. Because when we look at physics, aerodynamics, drag, all of those things, other than possibly engine performance, because no matter what speed we're at, we could gear something so the engine's doing exactly what we want to at that moment. So you could take the engine out of this equation, but every other factor in fuel economy gets worse when you go faster, and there's no way around that. That's what I thought. Joe? uh, Go ahead. Yeah, and so as long as you're with that particular engine you have, as long as you're between 1,000 and 1,350 RPM, any range in there, that engine's going to do extremely well. 
Um, so if you're running at a thousand in overdrive at a little higher speed, it, it's going to do just fine. If you drop it in direct drive and the RPM comes up to, you know, 1250 or 1275, it's still going to be just fine as long as you're in that range. Now you get north of, you know, 1350, then that's where you really start, uh, you know, really strain the emission system. You drop the VGT engine under a thousand, it's going to protest a little bit. It, the architecture would take it all day long, but you're not going to like the performance of the VGT um, when it drops under a thousand. That's, you know, TC territory. So you know, keep your, keep your RPM between a thousand and 1350. The slower you go, the better your fuel efficiency is going to be probably 90% of the time. Um, it, there are some circumstances, obviously, long downhills, uh, tailwind, yada, yada, you know, that could possibly uh, impact all that. But uh, I, think, I think what you're doing, you're doing right. Okay. Joel, you mentioned last I talked to you when I first got this thing that there was parameter changes that maybe could make a difference. Are you talking engine and or transmission? And I'm guessing you would need to see what this one is at currently before you can decide if any change, how would that work? I, I would, would have to see it. Uh, what, what is set up typically when we talk about parameters and, uh, integrated powertrain, we're talking about both engine and transmission. Uh, they they kind of work together. Um, it's really hard to adjust one without adjusting the other to get any benefit out of it. Um, so there are certain things that Volvo really liked to do. Is they, they went way heavy on the fuel efficiency side, and it would impact the performance. Um, and they, they kind of spec things for a a, uh, I don't know what would we say, a generic operation where if you were a little hillier than what was envisioned in this generic operation for the specs that come out of the factory, it might hurt you a little bit. So there are definitely some things that we could review if you could get the list from a dealer, have download the list of the current parameter package that's, that's in there. Um, we could take a look at it and and uh, optimize it a little bit further for your operation. Okay. All right. I'll see if I can get that. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks yeah. For the call. Sometimes that can have a significant impact. Um, there are times where we can do some parameter stuff and a guy will see a half mile a gallon. Does it happen in every operation? No, but it, it does happen. So um, yeah. definitely we'll take a look at that. Hey, hey, Joel, you just reminded me of my other point from yesterday, a quick one. Um, the guy with the big mm -hmm. ARI sleeper, I said, you know, the other option is let's just mm -hmm. work on your current truck. There's lots of things we could do to get you better mm -hmm. fuel economy. You're not stuck with what you've got. And he said, well, he said, mm -hmm. I've started a little bit. The biggest change he said he made, and this really kind of hit home because I keep looking at all these European trucks, these pictures John keeps sending me, and I see how mm -hmm. how well-designed those trucks are to be able to match the right profile of the tractor to the trailer, adjustable fairings on mm -hmm. the top. And when you look at, at what they're doing aerodynamically, it's perfect. We're trying to get that airflow to come off the tractor to right to the top of the trailer in, in that same nice sure. smooth direction. He said the biggest change he made was taking a wing off one of the turbo wings Picked up a, almost a mile <laughs> per gallon, he said. 
Uh, yeah, that's the parachute up there. Exactly. <laughs> They're horrible. Absolutely horrible. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Crazy. So uh, that's good. Good. Yeah. Good that he took it off because yep. there's oh, there's so many guys out there that think that those things are just wonderful. And I know. You just shake your head when you see them on a truck going, oh, my gosh. You know, talk about throwing money out the window. Right there it is. Yep. Yep. Hey, let's go to Illinois. Jerry, welcome to the program. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Joel, I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, one of them's kind of obscurely petty, but it's kind of frustrating. On You post a lot of wonderful, informative information on Facebook, but a lot of the best information comes from the questions and your answers to those questions. Anytime you go to the comments, it always defaults to the most or the top comments instead of all comments. Can you change your settings on what you post to show all comments instead of just the top comments? Uh, I don't know if you think about it. No, yeah, no, I haven't. Nope, I didn't think I could do that. (laughs) A lot of other posts will show when you go to comments and show all comments, but any of your posts always show. I can remember what it says: either most relevant or top comments or something, and it doesn't show all the comments. You've got to go in and physically change it to all comments. So one of the challenges here, Jerry, and a lot of people don't realize this if you don't do a lot of posting on Facebook. Facebook has personal pages, fan pages, group pages, and every one of them sometimes reacts differently when you post. And then just about the time Mm -hmm. you think you've got it all figured out, it will change. It happens. Facebook is so frustrating for things like that. I, I have fought with that forever because I hate when I go to read a post and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, I, there was a question here and it looks like there was an answer, but where the hell's the answer? And I'm in the middle of a conversation, uh, but it seems like stuff's missing. Well, it's because all the comments aren't showing and you got to go up and change that setting. Exactly. So when you're the one posting. All right, posting, yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do on that. Yeah, it, it can get but every, every, pretty confusing. Every post from Joel is consistent where it doesn't show all the comments. It doesn't matter what group it's in. It could be in so, mile per gallon or nine mile per gallon or whatever. So, every post that Joel posts is consistent. So let me tell you why that might be and why that can even be confusing. Not only can you post in different groups that have different kinds of rules about sharing and and it, you might even be in the same kind of group, but you've set that group to private. That changes the way all the settings work. It, you can't share out of a group that's private. <laughs> then we can go further. Now I have because of the way our business works and the way we have different groups, I ended up having seven different kinds of profiles on Facebook. Now, when I post, the settings are determined by which profile I'm using. So Joel may be using a profile that that is the default when he posts. Well, it's not, you know it's not a huge issue, but I just wanted to point that out. It's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I think at some point I'm going to have to hire somebody to take care of all this IT stuff. I, I am literally just overrun. You know, people want me to help with spec trucks, which I am happy to do. But I, I mean, just the sheer volume 
it's it is crazy. I've got people like, oh, you never called me back. I'm like, I've got 45 people to call it. <laughs> along with all the other stuff that I got going on, so I've I've got to figure out how to manage this better. I've done a piss poor job, and we just got to get got to get better at this. It, it, it's well, you got to you, you've got a quality same as me, and I I have never yet learned how to spell that word. No, I don't know how to spell it even. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right, now anyway, that that is the on to my real question, and I guess, and it has to do with the Volvo. I have a mental deficiency that if I don't understand how something works, it can't possibly work. I'm getting better at that, but I, I just have that mental deficiency. So my question, and I kind of understand how it works, but I guess my question is the technicalities of the. Turbo compound unit. Several questions come to mind. Number one, mm-hmm. how do you, is that a separate bolt-on unit? Is it repairable? Is it rebuildable? And what's it going to look like after two and a half million miles? What are you going to do with it? I mean, is it repairable? I'm just curious about those particulars on that turbo compound unit. It is a separate unit. It is repairable. Um, it's fairly straightforward and and simple. So you have the regular turbo. We come out of the regular turbo that blows across a diffuser. That diffuser goes into another turbine. It looks very similar to a turbo. That turbine is mechanically coupled to a gear set that is coupled to a... um, a hydraulic um, uh, coupler, uh, essentially a torque converter, just like in your automatic transmission. And then there's a couple gears that go down to the crankshaft from there. So it's very simple and straightforward. Um, All of the pieces parts in it are very well proven over time. Like the torque converter will essentially last forever. That's, you know, it's a, it's a fluid coupling. There's no, no wear going on in there. Um, the the gears are the same type as the gears that you have in the gear train to start with. Um, so there's nothing, you know, exotic going on there. The the turbine is essentially a a, a turbo, to, so to speak, and uh, so there's nothing really all that exotic going on there. It's it's pretty uh, straightforward. It, it, it's is all it lubricated with engine oil. It, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, okay. It absolutely is. It's yep. all old technology. Okay, so it's really. also, it's a, it, it is not separate in the sense that it uses engine oil in the um, it uses engine oil in the fluid coupler and in uh, to lubricate the the blowdown turbine is the technical name for that that turbine right. on it. So yep, yep. Okay, so it, it's just a mechanical part that's. You know, if you're going to do an overhaul of two million miles, you'd probably take it apart and redo it. Then, I, yeah, I mean, at, at, at two million, you're probably talking about an out of frame anyway. I would suppose, and at that point, yeah, you just strip her down and put new components right. back on it if, if that's what you, if that's what's needed. Um, the wear on that back there should be extremely minimal. So even at even at two million miles, eh, who knows? You know, maybe you don't even right. need to touch the damn thing. I, I can tell you that we've got some higher mileage units running in the fleet that we, we haven't had my brother's fleet. He hasn't had any problem with them at all. I, well, your higher mileage and my higher mileage, I've got two and a half million miles on my truck. 
Well, you know, we've, got, we've got trucks, right. We've got trucks that we run in the fleet that, you know, our, our trade cycle seven, eight years old. Of course, the TC hasn't been out that long yet, but, uh, so we will see some that are going to go out over a million miles, no doubt. And obviously I'll report back when we get to that point, but, uh, you know, at, at four and 500,000 miles, when you compare it to a VGT, which you know, over the years, they've really worked uh, the kinks out of VGT, so to speak. But we still have a lower failure rate on TC than we do VGT. And, you know, VGT, typically we see the, you know, when it sweeps across the turbo to, to control the veins and whatnot, uh, that, that gets stuck in there. We get a little carbon or soot and whatnot. And that's typically the, the failure mode that we see anyway on VGT. And, and uh, so we have lower failure rate than a VGT with RTCs. So, okay. That, well, that any, hey. any indication? Yep. Hey, there you hey, go. Hey, yep. Jerry. That helps. Thank you very much. Yep. Yeah. You know, I, I think like you do, I, you know, if I don't understand it, it must be voodoo or black magic. I, I used to think that alignments <laughs> were voodoo because I didn't understand them. And now I look at it and go, well, that's so drop dead simple. The same thing happened with me on this turbo compounding. I kind of researched it a little bit when the DD-15 first came out with it, and then they kind of failed with it. And what helped immensely um, when we went through the Volvo training that Joel set up for us, that, that it is drop-dead simple. I mean, you could almost build a turbo compounder from parts that we've had on the shelves from 40 years. Okay. Well, that, you answered it. I, yeah. I still think computers are voodoo, but so I'm not quite there yet. So. <laughs> well, they are. All right. Yeah, thanks, fellas. Thanks, yeah, fellas. That's, uh, all the computers now are just black magic from Bill Gates. That's all. Hey, Kevin, just, just something real quick, too. You know, there are a lot of people out there, you know, skeptical about turbo compounding or, you know, some people, they want to call it heat recovery. Um, technology on these engines. And it's been tried multiple times in the past. Um, we've seen it in the aircraft industry for years. And when you have a, a steady state engine that's running at a steady state, it, it really becomes effective. Where we kind of missed the mark in the, the trucking industry, um, that turbo compounding unit has its own gear ratio, so to speak. And the way everybody used it in the past, and, and I'm pretty sure across the board in the past, they used it to enhance the total horsepower output right. where Volvo said, no, 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 we're going to make torque with it right. and we're going to do it at very low RPM. And then in order to take advantage of that extra torque at very low RPM, you had to have the gear ratios and the transmission to make it work, which when you look at everybody else, they, they can't really make TC work because they don't have the transmission and gear ratios available to do it. Go back to so, the original, um, you know, DD 15, look at all the mm -hmm. marketing material. All they ever talked about was look, look at the horsepower we're adding back into the crank. That's all they ever talked about. Right. Right. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yep. And then the drivers loved it. Um, as long as they weren't paying for the fuel <laughs> right? because it does right. it. You can, yeah, correct, you can set right. them up and they do, they yeah. add some horsepower and that's yeah. why they still have it on the DD 16 because yeah. that's a heavy haul engine. And there, there is an application where 
a turbo compounder designed to add horsepower at higher RPM makes sense in a vocational application. It's exactly the opposite in an on-highway application, and right. they never identified that. So, and that's kind of why it blew up in their face. So how many, boy, I, I used to be able to list them all. I'm probably running out of memory to try to remember them all now. How many times have we screwed up technology like this in trucking that really is good <laughs> potential technology? Yeah. We release it so bad the first time that everybody is then leery of it when we do finally start to figure it out. Well, I, I'm driving a truck that has two of those things, turbo compounding, and it's a six by two. Exactly. So we have just royally screwed up both over the years. And most people are just scared to death of both things. They both work just fine when you know how to put them together right. And, and you know, they're a huge, huge asset to uh, an owner-operator or a small fleet operator that, you know, if he understands this, I mean, it really gives him a leg up over the competition in terms of being efficient and productive. Well, there's two more on that truck that we don't even think about anymore that we did the exact same thing to. Anti-lock brakes and wide singles. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, absolutely. Technically, there was a phrase. It was new generation wide based singles when they brought them out the second time because we screwed them up so bad the <laughs> yeah. first time. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I remember the first ones we didn't we didn't take into account the 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 bearing setup on the hub, and we were eating up bearings, and it, it, everything was just crazy. And so there was a lot of there was a lot of things we had to learn. The the base concept was good, and then it was just a matter of getting all of the other stuff figured out. The problem is, is when you kick that stuff out in the real world and your typical owner operator or small fleet has to pay for all that, uh, it doesn't go over well and it leaves a no. bad taste in people's mouth and they no. get, they get gun shy of that stuff. And, and I don't blame them. Um, I, I lived with a bunch of this stuff when I was working for my brother figure and trying to figure this shit out and, uh, it gets expensive in a hurry. It, that doesn't mean the concept wasn't right or isn't good. It's just a matter of getting there. And that's, what's kind of cool these days i've got you know some financial support from from manufacturers that they're kind of recognizing this oh we better get this straight before it actually gets out in their hands so we don't get all this kickback so yeah kind of cool stuff yeah it is and most people you know all the things you said about wide singles the technical problems all those most people didn't even realize those we never even made it to that point for most people to even know that the biggest problem they had was dealers just never stocked them you got a flat on the road and you were down for two right. or three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Let's, uh, let's go to Kansas. Ray, welcome to the program. Ray, are you there? Oh, not hearing anybody. All right. I'm going to, Ray, I'll put you back in on hold and see if we can save that call. Let's go to Saskatchewan. Merv, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I got an oil sample for you there to review. Let's take a look and see what's going on here. Uh, we've got a C-15. What year? Uh, 2001. We've got 1.1 million. Just over, is that right? 
Yeah, yeah. There might be. There's an awful lot of zero there. Uh, oh, kilometers. No wonder why everything looks a little weird here. Yeah. So how many miles are on the oil itself? Or kilometers? Uh, kilometers on the oil. Let me just take a look here. That would be about 136,000 kilometers on that oil. Uh, do you have a bypass? Yes. Which one? Uh, the OPS. Okay. Um, uh, using the catalyst? Uh, I haven't been recently, no. I did uh, early on, but I haven't used it for probably, I don't know, uh, probably since my last oil uh, okay, so I, I've got so many weird little things that are catching my attention here. I'm trying to figure out which order to attack this in. Um, let's go back to the mileage on the truck itself, and let's come up with a fairly good conversion to miles. About how many miles are on this truck? My brain just won't think in kilometers. Okay, that's probably 650,000 miles. Okay, on an in-frame or original? That's an, on an in-frame. That's what I was afraid of. Um, there have been some several, several problems historically here. Uh, if I go back to that first oil sample in 2019, July of 2019, was yeah. that right after the in-frame? Uh, no, let me think now. The reason I say that is because I saw silicon of 47. That almost never happens unless we, we really were deep inside the engine and, you know, you get a lot of dirt in there, no matter how clean the shop is. A lot of the lubricants yeah, and no, sealants that... <clears throat> we use can show up as silicon. Um, if, if yeah, not... I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of what that was at that time. <laughs> My memory doesn't. Get okay. me back that far, it, but it, I, sometimes I believe it, there was some engine work done at that Sometimes time. it's a matter of somebody just pulled the valve cover off and they just worked really dirty. It, that's all it will take yeah. sometimes. Yeah. That's a big number. Mm. It dropped after that to 19, right. which also indicates to me that it wasn't a, a mechanical problem letting the dirt in. We got the dirt in the engine during right. some sort of maintenance, and now it's working its way out. The problem I see is it went down to 18, yeah. 19, then it went down to 8, under 10 were safe. Your last sample's back to 11. So if nobody's been inside mm -hmm. the engine during this last sample, you've, you're getting dirt in this engine somewhere. You're going to have to inspect your air filters, okay. look for rips, tears, seals that aren't sealing right. If, if it's not right there at the air cleaner, right. you're going to have to start checking all the tubing. Yeah, I've switched uh, the job I do, and I'm in a dusty conditions right now. I'm hauling mostly grain, dusty then, roads, then uh, you're, dusty you're, grain. Then you're going to have to figure out how to keep the dirt out of that engine. Nothing is more destructive to okay. an engine than dirt. And, and the next problem I need okay. to address are all the wear metals we're starting to see, and that's what happens with dirt. Right. It, it's like sandpaper inside your engine. So we, we've got mm -hmm. yeah. lead and copper. So I'm also going to recommend mm -hmm. you pull down the pan and look at the bearings. 
Do it now before this gets worse. Because when we see lead and copper at the same time, we're, we're, we're heading mm-hmm. through the bearing material, and we need to get some eyeballs on that. You're also seeing a lot of upper cylinder. So 208 on iron. Yes. That's about four yeah. times what we would expect to see right now. Uh, chromium, which also okay. means that cylinder where we're talking about. Um, so that's, that's my biggest concern on this. Uh, the fuel dilution, even though it's okay. flagged, is nothing, and the fuel dilution is not causing any of these problems. The dirt is okay. uh, your low base is no big deal. That's a really common thing right now. You can add a little base. Uh, honestly, my first recommendation, pull oh, okay. the pan and change the oil because you might as well do those two together okay. anyway. Uh, we need to get this oil out of the engine, okay. and we need to look at the bearing. So. First thing I would do, drop the pan, you know, have somebody who really understands bearings, take a look at them and make a recommendation to you whether you should roll a new set in or not. And at that point, I'm going to say probably. Um, And then we got to find where the dirt's coming from. Okay. Okay. Well, get on that. I believe the dirt is like I was trying to run the... the washable filters still and in, in as, there as and, much as I uh, love fleet air filters for lots mm-hmm. and lots of reasons. Mm-hmm. When I see a truck like this in an, in an environment like that, and we, we know yeah. that there are problems. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll tell people, look, yeah, I, if you really want to run a fleet air filter and you think you're in a really dirty environment, give it a shot. But watch it closely. Oil sample early. Let's look for evidence of dirt getting in there, and you may end up going back to paper filters. When it comes to right. really heavy, I have heavy, switched back to paper filters. Okay, now. all right. When it comes to really heavy, yeah. dirty environments, the paper filters sometimes will filter better, and and the the fleet air filter can become a pain in the ass because you're washing it constantly. So. Um, stick with the paper right. filters, yeah. change the oil, inspect the bearings, take your next sample at 15,000 miles and call me back. Okay, will do. All right. Thank Thanks you. for the call. Let's go to Alabama. Yeah. Matt, welcome to the program. Oh, let me get rid of this one. Good morning, gentlemen. You're good morning. What's on your mind today? Well, yesterday, uh, Jerry called. I wasn't listening live, but I listened last night to uh, just call a little earlier, and he says in fuel gauges he's got more miles in there than me, and I definitely want to congratulate him because my goal is to be one of the lower mileage guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'd rather compete with uh, Steve Crone and Jackie and try to get down there to that 60,000 miles a year would be much more enjoyable, I think. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Joel, we were. Um, I, I, how many miles? How many miles have you tracked in fuel gauges? Jerry uh, was was over I'm two million. I'm at one point seven something. Yeah, and Jerry said he has already broke two million miles. Yeah, that's track. incredible. Mm. I love that. Nice. Yeah. And we went in there, and I hadn't looked um, at this number in a long time. We've got uh, almost four point eight million fuel tickets in that system now. Wow. Yeah. 90, That's cool. 97, That's really cool. 97,000 users, I think, and, and coming up on 5 million fuel tickets. Nice. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. 
So what's on your mind, so, Matt? My call today, and if you got other calls, you can cut me off as soon as you want. Uh, talking about regulations, your favorite subject. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> so there's been a couple calls lately, and I've had a lot of calls. The whole speed limiter issue is rearing its head again. And I'm assuming there must have been an article written somewhere. I haven't seen it, not even looking for it. So I went to the regulations.gov and dug up what I could because I've heard there's something coming in June of next year. So we're now, what, seven months away, eight months? <laughs> this is still the original 2014 bill. <laughs> That in 2016, <laughs> they did the comment section. Right. The update is in June of next year, they're going to do a second comment section. Oh, my I mean, God. The bill is just won't die. So I don't think anything's happening. It's just, just so, going around in a circle. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it will with our political climate the way it is right now. Um, you know, it's interesting. I remember going through a bunch of the comments and reading them back then when they had the comment period open. And I thought, sheesh, I have a big complaint about this. And not one other person said it. Most of the time, I could care less about speed limiters. It wouldn't have affected me. I never went that yeah. fast anyway, so <laughs> it didn't bother me. But I, my biggest complaint about it is, well, this sucks. You're forcing my competitors to be better. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, let me compete in an open market. If they're too stupid to slow down, they should get punished. Why, why are you going to yep. force them to slow yeah, down? That we have, yeah, here's the thing. I don't we, see why we should, of we, course. We have speed limits and we have penalties and fines for breaking them. Why isn't that enough? Yeah, it d definitely yep. should be. Right. There's no doubt. And I think, speaking, my, speaking of that, my just, just real quick here. Enforcement should get stricter. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it should. But just, just really quick here. So, you know, when I was driving for my brother delivering furniture, you know, people just used to crucify me. Oh, well, the only reason you can run that slow is because you're running for your brother and they cherry pick everything for you, yada, yada, yada. So I, I am running probably for the next few months. I'm just going to run straight off a load board. I mean, I went through Excellent. DAT, through Schneider, you know, just load boards in general. And I'm pulling stuff directly off load boards just like every other, you know, Joe Schmo out here does. Nothing special. And I'll tell you, it's actually easier for me to run for these brokers than it was for my brother. I bet. There, I'll I, bet. I, I've, I've got more time. <laughs> my time management's easier off the load board than it was running for my brother. And so these guys that are always like, oh, you could never do that off a low board bullshit. It's you easier. don't need to be front right. of these high speeds. It's, yeah, it, yeah, it's just, it's, and you know, the weight thing is another one. Everybody, well, there are so many loads out here that are, uh, it's just, it is nuts. It, the, the things okay. that people bitch about on these load boards and I, you know, now that I'm living a little bit looking at this, I, I don't know. I, I, um, it seems like they're crazy to me. Well, I, 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 I love the fact that you're doing it because we'll, we'll prove again that all that is just bullshit. It, it was the same way when, uh, um, oh, my God, I just drew a blank. Jeff um, started pulling the, the livestock trailers. And we were told for oh, years. Jeff yeah, Jeff Zarley started pulling a livestock trailer. We built that, that FLD. 
Um, and we had heard for years, you can never do that with livestock. If we don't drive that fast, they all die. They'll lose so much weight, we can't make any money. I, mean, right. I heard every excuse in the book. Right. You can't get fuel <laughs> mileage doing that. What did Jeff Zarley end up getting there at the end? It was incredible. I think I he was. I think with livestock, he in the eights. He was and then in the eights. Right. right. Yeah. I, and again, we've wow. heard all that. You can't do it with a flatbed. And, and Jeff was able to prove with an old FLD that you could do it in both. So, Joel, I, I love the fact that you're doing this. And I have to laugh because I said I had some notes here and I skipped them because we had so many calls. And by the way, we're going to go past. Um, Nine o'clock. I said an hour. I lied. Uh, but here's what we're going to do. Um, Morgan's screening our calls today. Thanks, Morgan. Um, Morgan, no more calls. In fact, can I? T- I could probably turn them off. But um, just don't screen any more calls, Morgan. We'll take everything that's there right now, and and we'll take our time. We'll answer everybody's questions, and when we finish, we finish. But in my notes this morning, I have to laugh about this. You posted about your most recent run, said you ran 70 most of the time when you could. You had 23,000 mm-hmm. pounds mm-hmm. in the box. It's not like we were light, you know, mm-hmm. it, light, but not empty mm-hmm. or anything, not ridiculously light. Mm-hmm. And you post in multiple mm-hmm. groups all over Facebook. There was one place you posted. There was only one comment mm-hmm. so far, and the comment was, and I'm going to try to remember it because I left that note page in the other room. It was LOL. The only reason you can get that kind of fuel economy is because you're so light and the hills don't slow you down. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> gotta love it. I, that gotta that love just it. makes me crazy. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah, and what do you, your uh, average was like yeah. 9.7 or something, right? So look around. If, right. if, if what yep. those people are thinking is true, why don't we see everybody getting nine miles to the gallon when they're bobtailing? I see trucks that can't seem to get it right. when they're bobtailing. Yeah. Right, right. No, that's exactly that's right. Is these people that say, oh, I could never even get that bobtailing, and then the, the opposite <laughs> side is, well, if I hauled that freight, I, I, we could get 12 miles a gallon, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Man. All right, Matt, we're, we're going to cut you loose because yeah, I, I do want to get through these calls, and uh, we're going to go to Wisconsin. Eric, welcome. Good morning, gentlemen. Have I become a nuisance yet? No, no, not at all. What's on your mind today? <laughs> All right. So I just want to follow up to last week's call. Joel, I, I sent you an email. It was, it was pretty late last night. So my apologies, but it, it pretty much mm-hmm. detailed that, that Volvo, the, the BNL 62 T860 I was looking at. Um, yep. I actually got a chance to take that thing out on the road on Wednesday for a quick little 10 mile jaunt. And, you know, mm-hmm. the only, uh, one of the things that worried me was, was the vibration, um, it wasn't severe. It, it almost reminded me of a, a tire issue on a steer, which is kind of odd because I see they had the uh, the uh, balance uh, centromatics on there. They they had centromatics on. So it seems like everything that this fleet did, you know, was kind of right on par with best practices. The only thing that I would say was against that was they didn't have any driver control set up in there. So, you know, max speed was 87 and all that good stuff. But uh, there's some fault codes that, that really, um, you know, I bought, I bought this ProStar 
in 15 and, you know, for, for being the worst engine on the market, I only had a couple fault codes and they were all around that freaking DOC DPF stuff that mm-hmm. we could easily get around. I'm seeing stuff that almost looks, you know, abnormal update rate. They got 38 counts on that. And, and then like signal not found on the uh, web portal processor, like that safety direct. Um, mm-hmm. There's 54 counts of that. So that's, I mean, right there, that tells me that there may be a wiring issue somewhere in on a truck that was built in. So the thing was built in late 17. Mm-hmm. Um, idle time, you know, the dash said, you know, the little instrument gauge said 13% idle time, lifetime average. The JPRO um, ECM report shows 16%. I thought that both those numbers were really high since I'm on no, the no, 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 30 to 50 percent idle time on a fleet truck that's just normal yep. yeah you okay. get down into no, that I, under I, 20 yeah. that's a that's a good number what i'll do is um since i have the vin on it i will call one of my powertrain guys and we'll dig into it there's some <clears throat> sometimes we get some some resolution on these um events that kind of looks mind-blowing you'll see just event after event after event after event and it really doesn't mean anything um but let me find out if that's the case on this um sometimes you can roll up multiple counts on something that it just records boom boom rapid fire and it'll it'll keep that in the in the, in the memory so let me, let me find out mm-hmm. what's going on with that um i've seen people buy this particular fleet truck before um and everybody I know has had stellar luck with them. They're, you know, all nine mile a gallon after they get into them. Um, the vibration that you're feeling, uh, and this is going to be um, something that I dealt with for a long time, it sounds like. Um, with the 14.6 front, it should have bronze kingpin bushings. Some of the fleets requested the polymer kingpin bushing. And believe it or not, what happens when you run a polymer kingpin bushing, obviously you don't have to grease them like you do the bronze. They won't seize, but they are so damn slippery. It lets the kingpin actually buzz at a high frequency in there. And that is a possibility. So we're going to want to find out if it has the bronze or the, the, um, the polymer kingpin bushings, and I can find that out um, when I run the uh, the VIN number on it. I'll see what I can. Joel, that should I be dig up on that. Mm-hmm. That should be listed in the in the build sheet, right? It it, it, it could be, yes. Um, okay, we'll, we'll look there and, and see if it's in there. Um, but that that buzzing, I know exactly what you're talking about. I dealt with it for a couple of years. Uh, the two sources that I find for it, if it's got a Meritor drive shaft in it, you are going to have an annoying buzz that you just cannot get rid of, no matter what you do to that damn drive shaft. Um, we ran them in the fleet several several years ago, and we ended up pulling every damn Meritor drive shaft out of our trucks and chucking them and put put spicers in. We've never had a Meritor drive shaft since. 
um, they just do not balance out. Um, they have a thicker wall in them and that wall thickness has too much variation for them to, uh, to really balance nice. Even when you put balancing rings and you take them to a shop and you have them all, you know, balanced as, as best you can, they'll never run as true as what a, a Dana drive shaft does. So it, it may be that's part of it. And it could also be this polymer kingpin bushing, um, vibration that can't track down. Those are the two places that I always look first. Now this thing, when I started it, when I first started out, it went, you know, first gear all the way through 12. Um, every time I stopped after that, it was uh, skip shifting four, seven, 10, 12. Yep. Do you have any concerns about that? Um, there are default settings in there that you can change that. Were you bobtail or were you, did you have a trailer? Bobtail. Yeah. Bobtail. yeah bobtail, it'll, it, it'll skip shift like that. Cause it's light. When you hook up to a load, it will know to start at, at a lower gear, depending on where your default settings are at. And we'll take a look at those. Typically, um, dealers, they will set those defaults too high. And then over time, you'll start to run into problems with the transmission or need a clutch at 650,000 miles. You know what I mean? Fleets, mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. the savvy fleets know better and they make that adjustment. Other times it just runs at the default. So I'll have to take a look at that and see where it's at. Yeah, so it does have just a standard um, shift module. It doesn't have the performance uh, shifter in there, mm -hmm. but they, the salesman is saying it, it's going to be like right around the $600 mark to swap that out. Not a big deal. Um, yep. And the same with, same with the uh, with the kickdown pedal. Uh, Good. One one last question on that. You um, are we still going to have to? adjust those exhaust plungers on a late 17 build was that an issue uh, all the way through 18 yeah build? yeah yeah it, it can be do you know if your engine has common rail fuel injection on it or if it's yeah, if it has yeah, unit injectors they're going to have to do it and i the very first thing i would do before i even took delivery of that truck is make them run the overhead and, and do the plungers if it has unit injectors you want to retorque the injector hold down bolts you want to adjust the exhaust plungers and set the overhead. That's the very first thing you do on that. Okay. Yep. I was kind of thinking about taking it down to diesel brothers, but, uh, yeah, it, yeah it, you're, it, you're it, right. Uh, if they, if they, if, yep. Yeah. If they're, I mean, well, I, I want to develop a relationship with the new dealer. Like I have with international. I mean, Mm -hmm. They've saved me so much money and downtime over the years because I, well, I mean, sure. It's pretty easy to become their best friend when your first year you spent $40,000 in maintenance. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and, and then, you know, I mean, the great, the great thing is it's gone down by 5,000 every year. And now I'm almost at nothing. I had a, a catastrophic fuel pump failure in June. That's the only thing this year. And that, you know, unfortunately it was 6,500, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, so, um, you know, I hope to develop that same relationship and then, you know, use Diesel Brothers, Pittsburgh Power, as I can, these specialty shops um, that do niche work. Uh, that's a great strategy. You know, so, really is. And, if you yeah, can, if yeah, you it, can build I mean, a relationship. It, you're absolutely right. On the, yep, with the dealer. Yep, you're home, absolutely spot on sir. with that. Yeah. Now, 
Here, this is kind of funny. I, I've always recommended, you know, when you're building that relationship, take your service manager to lunch once in a while, take a mechanic to lunch, bring them all pizza. In your case, though, they should have been taking you to lunch. Right, exactly. No, no, and I did I did do that. Yeah, I'd bring in goodies for the guys. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it, it, it just, it, you know, when I can call a day before I get there and they just ram this thing in at night, get yeah. it done on night shift, you know, That's whatever awesome. I need, it's just it's yep. crazy awesome. One quick question for you, for, for both of you, before I take off here. What are your thoughts on this whole barking about uh, diesel fuel shortage here? Stay, stay topped off. My first recommendation, I wouldn't let a truck get below half right now because these things pop up and we tend to not even know it till somebody's reporting it from the road. You know, we're seeing on Facebook, somebody pulled into a truck stop, can't get Mm -hmm. fuel. So it doesn't look like there's any real shortages right now that I'm not seeing a lot of reports, but we're at a very low supply. They are talking about rationing uh, fuel oil in the Northeast already. So I don't think there's a big problem today, but I would just make it a habit of staying above half. I mean, this administration can't, I mean, they're not going to be this dumb where they actually start to really interfere no, with are. commerce. No, are we, they? Well, they already have. That's all they've oh done for the last God. two years is interfere with commerce. Everything they do interferes with commerce. I'm just, I'm, so nothing would surprise yeah, me anymore. I'm just thinking that this Honestly. is going to be worse than the past. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing would surprise me. I can't believe we're talking about rationing fuel oil in this country. What are we, Uganda? That's insane. Yeah. Right. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great weekend. You're welcome. Um, I know he asked for both of our opinion there, Joel, but I jumped in on my rant. I can't help myself. Um, uh, did we lose Joel? We did. Um, wonder what happened. We'll have to try to get him back. Uh, I actually had a note here from that call, something that I'm going to add to my list of things to check before you buy a used truck. I'm going to wait till we get Joel back. Um, what call should I grab here? Let's try this one. I want to keep going on calls. We'll try to get Joel back. Not sure what happened to him. Uh, Rick in Michigan, what's on your mind today? I, I, I'm, ca- I'm calling about the Tesla Semi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are the stats for real on that? Uh, I, I'm a Tesla shareholder. And, uh, I, I know what kind of progress he makes in such a quick amount of time. I, I think it's going to revolutionize the whole business to make short runs with an electric semi. You know, we're, we're, we just have to face the fact diesel is not going to be around forever, but it is going to be around as an option for a very long time. Um, every year, here's the best prediction I can make without trying to get so specific like some people do. They're making claims about by 2040, this percent. Well, you don't know that. I hate those kind of long-term projections. Here's what I can tell you. Every year from now on, there will be more alternative fuel vehicles on the road. Every year, year after year after year. So that means hydrogen electric, 
true electric, natural gas over diesel. Somebody might come up with a diesel over electric. I kind of doubt it. Nobody's been able to manage that one yet. But all these alternative fuels, there will be more of those vehicles every year. How many more? When will diesel disappear forever? Certainly not in my lifetime. Um, I'm with you. I, I love electric technology across the board. It has so many advantages. But honestly, we are going to screw it up again. We already are. You know, we just talked about trucking bringing in new technologies before we're ready for them, and then everybody gets a bad taste in their mouth. Everybody already has a bad taste about electric because we've pushed it as a climate solution. And I don't believe that it is a climate solution. We could do more damage to our climate with electric vehicles because of batteries and exotic metals and all the mining that's going on, and we have to recycle these batteries or they're going to end up in, in, you know, our windmills are a problem. I, I love the future of electric, except I hate the fact that we're doing it. We're making a mess of it, and it's going to set us back about two decades. We, we if, if we would have let the free market make the move to electric without all the tax subsidies, all the bullshit about it's going to save the planet, it, it if all that would go away and we'd let the free market figure it out, we'd get good electric vehicles about 20 years earlier than we're going to. This is going to be a long, long process. Now, I think Tesla, hands down, will have a better electric truck than anybody. Uh, it's what they do. They make a better electric car than anybody else right now. Maybe somebody else will catch up. I don't know. They might. But I have a feeling... Um, you know, Tesla's not sitting still. The, the big technology, if we can get it, that will drive all of this forward a lot faster is a solid state battery. Because then a lot of these exotic metals go away. A lot of this recycle of these batteries and fires and all kinds of other things. A lot of that goes away with a solid state battery. Charging time becomes much, much faster. And there are several companies out there that are, are really putting a lot of effort into solid-state batteries. Weight becomes a, a non-issue almost with solid-state batteries. That will be the game-changer, and they're working on it. And then charging technologies are going to advance. In everybody's mind, all they think of electric vehicles is, oh, my God, I see those people sitting there at those charging stations for a half hour at a time. Well, I don't want to... It, that's not going to be the future. The future is going to be that trucks, that the vehicle's going to get some of its charge from the road while it's driving. It's going to get charging while it's sitting at stop signs and intersections, micro charges. It, there's going to be all kinds of wild technologies. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to bring Joel back in. We, I just see him up there on the board. Uh, Joel, what'd you do? Run into a ditch? Uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, everybody was gone. So I was talking to you, and I'm like, Joel. I, I looked up, and I, Joel's not even on the board anymore. Um, I, I was just, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Was just, I was just doing a big rant about electric trucks because the question was about it. So, uh, mm. Rick, to answer your specific question, now that I went off on that big rant, are the specs at Tesla accurate? Hell no, they never are. 
I mean, as much as I love Elon Musk and all the things he's done, he's a freak in a lot of ways. Um, You have to be to be that intelligent. And he has a tendency to oversell like all of us do. It's not that he's lying even. You know, people say, oh, he lied. No, he's really not lying. He does what we all like to do. He... Joel, don't he is don't, very optimistic. Don't we all like to put our best foot forward and speak in a way that makes what we're doing sound as good as it can without outright lying? You know, sometimes we'll talk about our best case test that we did. And in marketing, sure, you have to. It, it, you have to. If you're going to bring well, a product to market, you have to get people excited about it. And when you do that, you're going to talk about best case. He's not giving us his his best estimate of a range when it's minus 20 degrees out. He's going to give us the, the best right. case at 70 degrees on a nice fall day. Well, and you know, I think in the case of like an Elon Musk, I think here is a guy that just has a positive attitude no matter what. He looks at the bright side of everything. I think that's why he's as successful as he is. And, you know, it probably doesn't even occur to him to say, well, let's give him the worst case scenario. I mean, it's a, it's a new technology that's out there. Um, he's an upbeat, positive guy. You're going to get that positive spin out of him no matter what. Um, it's just the way it's going to be, I think. So, yeah. Here's a good example. I'm going to be speaking to two groups next week, and I'm covering a whole bunch of topics that are going on in trucking right now. That's why they want me to come in. And I'm going to brag about Joel's 11-plus mile per gallon sometimes. I, I want to make an impact. I want them to see, you know, these are the kind of things that are possible in trucking. Why is the industry average still 66 when this kind of stuff's possible. <laughs> right. 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 And that, and everybody will say the same thing. Oh, God, Calvin, you're yeah. just, you're just <laughs> cherry picking it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, sometimes, sometimes you have to show what the potential exactly. actually is. Yeah. And, and if you don't know what that ultimate potential is, you have nothing to shoot for. So you just keep doing the same old shit that you've always done. Which is my theme. And, and that is very problematic in, in trucking. Yeah. My theme for this, um, in, I'm going to let my, my opening statement out of the bag here. Um, one of the things I've learned about speaking, it's so easy to be a really good speaker, even if you're not a really good speaker. There are just a couple techniques that, that sets you apart. Here's one of them. What does everybody do when they first walk out on the stage? They say good morning to everybody. They introduce themselves, blah, 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 blah. Get through that. Let's get to the information. Nobody cares about that shit. We know who you are. I'm looking at the, the, the program. You're right here. <laughs> yeah. All that stuff you just told me, I already knew. I already read it. You, so here's a simple technique. You want to make a bigger impact as a speaker? So easy. Walk out on stage, and you have to practice this because the, the first part of this is really uncomfortable. Walk out to the middle of the stage and just start looking around the audience and don't say a word. Just start looking around. Smile at people. You know, just kind of take in your surroundings. The audience will start to get a little uncomfortable. But you got their attention. What you, you stare at. Yeah, yeah you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Now they're like... Now they're like waiting. What's he going to say? What the hell is he doing? (laughs) That alone. Uh And then don't introduce yourself. Don't say good morning. I'm going to make an outrageous statement. I always do. 
And here's my outrageous statement. After I get the audience a little uncomfortable, which only takes about 15 seconds. It, it doesn't take long. It feels mm-hmm. like a long time. but It doesn't take long at all. When you see them all start to squirm a little bit, and then I'm going to say, we suck at moving freight efficiently in this industry. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> exactly. We do. And, and we haven't improved it in 30 years. Look at the list of right. complaints in the trucking industry now, this year, from Atri. They always compile what's everybody, you know, what are our biggest problems in the industry. Look at the list today. Look at it 30 years ago. The only reason there might be a couple differences in there is because of technology. 30 years ago, we didn't complain about ELDs. Mm-hmm. Or it, that's about the only reason it changes. I, how, how come we haven't mm-hmm. solved any of these things in 30 years? <laughs> Joel, you and I talk about the driver pay issue and, and putting your two top costs in a trucking company in direct competition with each other. Your fuel cost and your driver cost, yeah. and they're always in conflict because of the way we pay drivers. Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. Oh, by the way, just on that subject, just real quick, I don't want to change all this, but we set up my payroll for how I want to do the business here. So I, I'm going with $22 an hour and 22 cents a mile. So it's 22 bucks an hour with overtime and, and everything across the board. And then 22 cents a mile for all miles driven on awesome. top of the 22 an hour. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. To so see how that works out in my own little way of trying to do something about it. Yeah. There you go. There <laughs> so you I go. figure I, I've got a small business here where I can, I can tweak it and play with it if I have to, and nobody's going to get pissed off at me because I'm paying myself. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, we lost that caller, but the, the best way to wrap up his question was whatever specs Tesla is putting out, they're not lies. Um, but look at them as best case scenario and know that any variation in a lot of things, weight, weather, terrain, is going to cut that mileage down. Um, charging times are probably going to be really accurate because that doesn't vary a whole lot. And they're claiming that uh, after you run out your initial 100% charge, you know, maybe you charged it overnight, start the day with 100%. Um, they're claiming that as you run out of power, a 30-minute charge during the day will get you back to 80%. And, and if they even come mm. close to that, you're set as long as we have enough charging stations. I mean, that becomes the next factor. Where are the charging stations? Because, mm-hmm. you know, even if we cut their range way down, between a 100% charge at the beginning of the day, an 80% charge during the 30-minute break I have to take anyway, um, it's more miles mm-hmm. than a single driver can do in a day. Even if we cut their mileage estimates by about 30%, we'd still be able to, we wouldn't be able to out-truck that, uh, outdrive that battery's capacity. I, you know, I, I think... The electric truck thing, I think they're going to be just fine for local and, you know, shorter regional applications. I think that's where they should be. We're going to see a ton of them. I think even in the best case scenario, electric's going to have a hell of a hard time competing with diesel in a long haul application just because of the the weight thing. Um, You know, you got to have that weight for the battery to work. Now, obviously, they may solve that eventually, but as of right now, it's going to be very difficult, especially if you if you use numbers like I'm getting today with, with my truck 
and you start to compare exactly. that to electric, the whole case for electric falls apart, and, and completely falls apart at that point. And, and what nobody is talking about, we've talked about this a bunch, we're, we're not talking about the fact that every time we build another electric vehicle, that's more demand on electricity, that makes the price go up. Everybody is running around acting like electricity's free. It's not. And it's going to get more expensive. And technically, the way supply and demand works, if the government would get the hell out of this, as we build more electric vehicles, the cost of electricity goes up. The cost of diesel will come down because there's less demand. And nobody's factoring any of that stuff in. My answer when you were on was... Mm -hmm. The best prediction I can make, I hate all these goofy predictions like what's going to happen in 2040. You don't know what the hell's going to happen in 2040. Stop pretending like you do. The best right. prediction I can make right. is from now on, every year, there will be more alternative fuel vehicles on the market, whether it's hydrogen electric, true electric, yeah. Yeah. whatever propane, whatever they come up with to try to get away from diesel fuel. There will be more of them every year from now on. How many more? Nobody knows. And we know lots of problems. Now, and I also said a huge game changer is going to be, and there's a lot of companies working on this right now, solid state batteries will revolutionize all of this. The weight, the, the, the precious metal stuff, the recycle issue on batteries, the fire issue, all kinds of things go away with solid state batteries if we get there. There are a lot of companies working hard on it. I, I agree. Um, just a, a quick little story if we have time here. Back in the early 80s, my dad had managed a recycling facility, and the, the, we had about 30 lift trucks at this recycling facility. And Baker Lift Trucks came in with their new electric forklift, and they basically the Tesla speech. It's going to do all this stuff. Wonderful. It's going to cut your costs. It's going to do yada, yada, yada. So, you know, the first thing we struggled with, and I, I was just old enough, you know, where I was really starting to get into all the mechanical and efficiency stuff. They brought the electrics in, struggled with the charging stations, had to get that right. Had to get the power right. You know, very similar to today with the trucks, the infrastructure. What we found out over time was, is that the electrics were better at some things and not as good as others. And by the 1990s, we actually had some propane forklifts, we had a diesel forklift, and we had some electric <laughs> forklifts, and they right. all excelled in different things. And we're going to see that same thing happen in the trucking. Because yeah. internal combustion, even though nobody's talking about it and it's not real sexy right now, it's still going to improve. Yes. Electric's going to get better. Hydrogen's yeah. going to get better. And we're going to see all these niches develop and everything's going to fit into its place and every, everything's going to be just fine. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> That's the way it's going to work out. I, I, you know, I, I've right. watched it with electric forklifts and, yep. and I think the same it, thing's going to happen in the marketplace here. Yep. Yeah, you are right. Um, let's grab another call. Let's go to Michigan. Dan, welcome to the program. Hi guys. Hey, I'm looking at buying, um, an 04 Volvo for just a spare truck and it's got a D12 in it and I don't know anything about them. And I just, is there any reason to stay away from that truck? D12 is about a million miles on it. It's about as bulletproof as you're going to get. Um, probably even more so than like a 60 series or an N14. 
they run okay. and run and run and run. Um, now that being said, it's probably geared all wrong. You know, we, we kind of took a European engine and we put an American drivetrain on it. So I wouldn't expect any stellar fuel efficiency out of it. And it's not going to okay. be this huge powerhouse on the Hills. It'll just get the job done day in and day out. Nothing's spectacular, nothing sexy about it, but it, they, they will run forever. Now, if I get this and have the overhead ran, I know I know you guys talk a lot about the Volvos and overheads and, and I don't know, injector cups and lock tightening this and that. And I've never paid attention to any of that because I've never thought I'd look at one. Is there, if I take it in and have the overhead ran, what, is there anything specific I need to make sure we're doing on that? Yeah, the 04 is a pretty straightforward. You're not going to have a whole okay. lot of whole lot of problems with them. The 04s never really had the injector issues. When we got into injector issues, it was they had to up the pressure on the unit injectors in order to meet emission standards. And when they went to the higher pressure, that's when the exhaust plungers came into existence. So we had to make adjustments on both sides of the, the valve, so to speak, and nobody done it. And so it would throw the geometry of the rockers off and they'd rock onto cups. That's what basically was happening on everything. Uh, retorque the hold downs and set the overhead. Boom, you're, you're good to go. Okay. Um, there is a, I, I think on the D12, there is, and, and you'll double check with whoever's doing the overhead. Pretty sure that there is a, um, a fuel line check valve on the head, replace that. Okay. It's probably never been replaced. They get weak. And if they don't hold enough pressure in the galley before the injectors, um, you, you, they don't quite run right. Um, and most people never replace that, replace that also pull the crank position sensor, um, and just clean it off while they're doing the overhead. Just tell them to unscrew okay. it, clean all the metal shavings off, screw it back in. Uh, the fuel pressure sensor, you're going to want to replace that as well. And, uh, you may take a look at the cam position sensor, clean that off and put it back on. So it's seeing, you know, top dead center and timing's all right. Um, it's pretty straightforward, simple engine that will just run forever in a day. Um, you're, you're not going to set any world speed records climbing hills with it. And you're not going to set any world records fuel efficiency wise with it either. Okay. Yeah. It's, I'm just looking at it for a spare truck. So it'll, it'll price yep. it most of the time, except for when this one's down, but sounds like a perfect uh, spare truck. And then truck. with it being kind of, yeah, he wants 10,000 bucks for oh, it. It's for, clean. Ew, I'm yeah. kind of shocked at oh, it. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Jump it, on it. You better go get that now. It, it does Pat, have, get, it's got, like I said, get off the phone and go little, get it. It's a little over a million <laughs> miles on it. Do most, when it's time for a, a rebuild or something, is that typically what you would do is rebuild it, or do they just yeah that, yeah they, out they, with they, the no they re, they rebuild those D twelve are rebuilt okay. every day. That's yep. a straightforward cylinder yep. and, kit. Okay. You're done. Yeah, that that's a simple. Input. Yeah, yeah, and you know when we were running them, you know we were selling them with a million and a half on them, and they weren't even using oil. And so if that truck doesn't have yeah, any blow by and it doesn't have any history of using oil, it it'll, it'll probably yeah. probably go to two. Yeah, leave yep. it alone. Okay, yeah. And he, he, yeah, he does 13,000-mile oil oh, changes. He, yeah. does, he doesn't add it, any oil between changes. And, 
It's oh, a one-owner truck, one driver. So, it, yeah, oh, Jesus. a little bit yeah. better about it. And it's a friend of mine that's got it, so I, I trust what he's saying, right? So how come you're not calling him already? <laughs> Go get it. Go get that thing. I, probably should. I know, I know. I just want to talk to you guys first because I know nothing about the Volvo motor, so I was leery. But that, that makes me feel a lot better about it. So I, as soon as I hang up, I'll call him right back. Then. Good. Good. There awesome. you go. All right. Hey, All right. Joel, one, one thing uh, I was trying mm-hmm. when you dropped off and what I was getting ready to start talking to you about, you gave me another item to put on my checklist for new or used trucks. I have a whole thing, you know, check idle time, mm-hmm. check, you know, regens, check all kinds of stuff. Um, you gave me another one, though. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at the truck, and this isn't hard to find, that um, that default starting gear you talked about, that most of the dealers yeah, set them yeah, up that, too that, high. That, yes. And, yes, you definitely want to want to check that. And the fleets don't care. Because like you said, even at that default that's too high, you're going to replace a clutch at 650 instead of a million or so that you might be able to get out of a clutch. The fleet doesn't care. They get rid of it before mm-hmm. 650 anyway. At 350, 350 yeah, right. to 500, that's exactly right. Yeah, yep. so yep. That, was a, that was a great tip. Thank you. Let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's go to Texas. Yeah. Robert, welcome to the program. Hey, uh, Kevin. Uh, great segue. Um, so I have a an idea, I guess, uh, for Joel and his backlog for uh, uh, second out trucks. Mm-hmm. I'm all ears. Um, how about uh, giving him a course, like making making a course? Uh, Joel, we'd love to work with you on something like that if you want to do it. We have the platform, we have the the tools, we have the people that can do graphics and, you know, all this stuff when we build a course. And I've talked a little bit to you, both you and John, about this. Um, We could sit down and create multiple courses, but that would be an awesome one. I mean, we can even build in like... um, We can build in like spec calculators, you know, spreadsheets that help people directly. So, yeah, if... um, our biggest challenge between the three of us is finding common time to work on projects like this together. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it becomes difficult. Yeah. I'd love to love to be able to put something together like that. Uh, it's, you know, again, finding the time, it seems like I'm being pulled in every direction and uh, it, it's, it's tough sometimes just to turn around in the morning, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, it would lo- would love to, I mean, that's, you know, that's, kind of the stuff I live for. So yeah, I would definitely be interested in something like that. I mean, it could be like a two section, like a used truck spec sheet and a new truck, you know, oh, the yeah. way to yeah. optimize and it. Cause you, you, ne- you never, you never finish, you know, all your specs on the radio cause you, you only got so much time. So, well, and even if, right. we, do, even right. if we did, right. Great place. Uh, you finish specs for one right. person, but it's going to be slightly different for everybody else. And trying to keep all this stuff in your head these days, even for us when we do it every day, gets starts to get difficult. Um, one of the places, you know, if we can find some time and we, we want to do something sort of quick, um, I have a whole section in a course already that I was just talking about. That whole, here's the checklist for... You know, each truck, here's the kind of things you should look for in an ECM report. 
um, we could add on to a course that's already there so we're not starting from scratch. One of the things that I think is just super important when, when we're talking about this, and you know, we mentioned it earlier that I've got a dealer that wants to do something. I think it's just critically important to bring the dealer Absolutely. into the mix here so yep. everybody's on the same page because it, it just seems like I will convey information to somebody. They'll go in and they have to argue with yep. the dealer to the point where they call me back and say, would you please come in and argue for me? I know. <laughs> and yeah, and I don't mind doing it, but man, I just run out of, I run out of time in a, in a day and it's, it's very, and then they're disappointed when I can't get back with them. And I get it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's just a big deal for them. And, right. and I feel bad when I don't have time to, 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 you know, you, help them. And I, then I get feeling bad about it, but I, I, there's only so much I can do in a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let me give you some advice. That's almost counterintuitive. Um, what okay. you do, what you do is incredibly valuable. When you think about, let's think about this for a second. If the guy buys the mm -hmm. wrong truck, and he's going to keep it for six, seven, eight years, which is a good idea for an owner-operator to do unless there's some big new technology we want to go get. Um, think mm -hmm. of the cost, total cost of what he's going to waste oh. over that six, seven, or eight years, right? So It's huge. So the yeah. value is not even – well, somebody might say – Look, Joel, it's only going to take you 20 minutes. What do you charge? $2,000 a minute? Well, I probably should because I'm going to save you more than that. <laughs> but here's, here's the right. piece of advice I want to give you. And I, this is really hard. I've struggled with this forever. You want to give stuff away free because you think to yourself, it's only 10 minutes. It's only 15 minutes. So in your mind, you think, you're a nice guy. You're, you're like I am. I want to help people. I want to make the whole industry better, and we need to help people to do that. Here's the problem. You right. didn't just give away 10 minutes. You just gave away $40,000. Right, yeah. And here's what yeah. happens. Yeah. The, and more, it, the more you give it away. That 10 minutes took 30 years. Exactly. Yeah. That's the other part. You know, you're, you're giving them yeah. so much value. You're not just giving them 10 minutes. You're giving them huge amounts of value and the ability to give them that really excellent advice in 10 minutes took 30 years to learn. Here's the problem. When you right. give it away, even if you feel like, oh, I don't, it's okay. I still want to give it away. The problem is you devalue it. And now the guy's thinking, you right. didn't even call me back. You weren't paying me. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No, I, I, that's, that's exactly so what's just, happening. That's, yeah, just be that's really exactly careful with that. Right. I, I, yeah, I, I, I know I'm struggling with this, and I know it's going to blow up in my face here if I don't, if I don't get, it'll, get a handle on this because it's It'll just, burn you out. Yeah. You'll just burn out. Yeah, you'll yeah. Get, you'll, you'll start to yeah. get aggravated with people. Um, you know, it, you'll just get burnt out on it. So, you know what I've found? Most of the people who want free advice probably aren't going to take it anyway. That could be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Kevin went through the same thing. He had to uh, adjust his, you know, business. He couldn't do all the one-on-ones that people wanted him to do. We he had to start had, he just couldn't do it. He didn't have the time. Right. You just can't. I, I, you know, we thought, oh, look, it's 10 minutes. We, but 
all those things happen. You start to get burnout. People don't really appreciate the value of what you're getting because you're just giving it to them. How much value could there be if he's just giving it to me? That's how that's how they start to think. Right. And then they start to get demanding. Right. And right. here's the other thing I will tell you. <laughs> right. Here's the other thing I will tell you. I'm really careful about this today. I still do it. I, I've done several in the last couple of weeks. I've taken on projects where I, I've offered to do something for somebody at no charge. It's a, a bigger project, not just 10 minutes. I do it for a couple of reasons. I do it because I'm going to learn something because it's an unusual case and I'm going to have to go learn something new and dig in and try some things. So there's, there's value to me. Um, I do it because I do want to help people that need help. Um, but I can tell you this, I have put a lot of work into people and helped them a lot. And six months later, I see them online bitching about something I did. It's, it's, I swear it's more common for somebody Uh, to bitch about something I did when I gave it to them for free. It turns out to be, those are the people that tend to just turn on you in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just no, be careful. I can see that. I, I, I don't mean, want to I, see you just, burn out. You're, yeah, you've just, got so much to offer. Yeah. Yeah. From, from stuff that I've been doing here and you know, this, it's, there's no organization on my end when it comes to that part of it, because it's not, it's not what I was really doing. It's just, right, right. it's just kind of morphed into that. And, you know, I've got a formalized arrangement when I do testing and consulting works for the OEMs and all right. that's taken care of. I just, I got to get that set up on, on the end with the owner operators and the small fleets. Yeah. Got to happen because yeah. this is going to turn into a nightmare if I don't. There you go. All right. And I Robert. think at least with the course, you're, you're at least skipping the first, the first part of it. You're at least skipping the, the parameters and, and then, you yeah, know, they need and, to call for the permission. And, and we do some free courses. Because that, that's not bad. You can, you know, you put a lot of work in up front, but then you can throw it out there and it's not that big of a deal. So we have some free courses, but a course like this would be charged. It, this is too valuable to just give away for you. Right. Oh, yeah. Huge, right. huge value. Yeah. All right, Robert, thanks for the call. Great ideas. Let's, uh, we're going to hit the final call here. Paul, you get the final word today. Howdy. Um, be like Elon Musk. Let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started. It is so hilarious to watch all these liberals' head explode over Elon Musk right now. Yeah. Oh, you know, like, I, I'm, when I first seen the picture, I thought, guy bought everything, including the kitchen including sink. Including the but... kitchen sink. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But then I saw it. Oh, let that sink in. That's oh, okay. Hilarious. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a friend of mine back in New Zealand, this was in the mid nineties, mid to early nineties when he bought his first Volvo and it was mm-hmm. a 12 liter. I don't know what the horsepower mm-hmm. was dead at and I don't know what transmission he had because I, I was not, I was not a Volvo fan. I was an American truck fan or Australian built, um, you know, Kenworth Mack and that. So I didn't mm-hmm. really pay much attention to it, but. He used to run that thing around at 100,000 pounds with that 12-liter mm-hmm. engine. And when he sold that mm-hmm. truck, it hadn't been opened up, and it was two and a half million kilometers, and it was still going. Yeah, they, they, missed a they, uh, 
they went to about 435 horsepower and it probably had a 12 or a 14 speed manual on it. It was a manual transmission. Not yeah, most likely speed, the four, times, probably the 14 speed manual with that kind of weight, most likely. And, and they, they did, they ran forever. Yep. There's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. They bulletproof. And there's yep. that 750 Volvo, they pushing out now that that's, <laughs> getting in the 770 Scania, they're, uh-huh. they're leaving Kenworth and all them other people behind. Yeah. 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 There's, there's no doubt that, uh, if you're talking big horsepower and I know we like to think here in the United States, we're kings of horsepower, but Volvo and Scania with their 16 liters and the rest of the world, they just annihilate, you know, basically anything that cat and Cummins put out in terms of efficiency along with that type of horsepower. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So I'm just curious. I know you have a dash cam, but do you have any other sort of camera system that rear facing or anything? Cause I, uh, I need to, I need to get a camera system because, uh, two, two, two weeks ago on the Saturday, um, mm-hmm. I smacked into a car that was down there in my blind spot. My truck's got, Bad blind spot. I got two mm-hmm. vehicles um, in ten years or nine and a half years. I've hit two guys in that riding in that blind spot. So mm. did forty six forty six hundred odd dollars worth of damage to a BMW. So it's not much. They drove it away, and it it's got a couple of right. marks on it. Yeah, right. Plastic lug nut <laughs> cover, plastic lug nut covers did them a favour though, because I'm pretty sure. It, uh, the studs would have tore the door off just about, but oh, the plastic. Yeah, you, you should was, you should have those big long six inch pointy ones instead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it could be drill bits. <laughs> so I, uh, so I, I, I called the cop because it was an accident. It's like I'm not getting screwed by some ambulance chasing lawyer. So I called the cops, and the cops come, and he says, "Anybody hurt?" No, and he said, "Well, let me tell you what's going to happen here." He says, we're going to write a report, and he said, it's going to be vehicle one, change lanes, hit vehicle two. That's going to be the end of it. Um, you exchange your insurance information, and you sort mm-hmm. it out amongst yourselves and your insurance company. And um, then he told me, or he asked where the accident actually happened, and he said, oh, well, it's actually a grapevine jurisdiction, and it was a couple, Texas cop that came and he said but he gonna tell you exactly the same thing so you know, he said work it mm-hmm. out amongst yourself okay so yeah you know but i need to get a camera system but i need something that i can that has a monitor in the truck that i can see because right, right. Cars, uh, down there on the right hand side i didn't even see it first i knew was when i heard bump yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know i'm not sure why you know, camera, I think cameras would be awesome. I think we should replace our mirrors with cameras and eliminate all these blind spots. We could have cameras that would follow the trailer. And, I mean, the, the, the technologies around, it's government regulations that slow down most of this crap. But the truck I built in 2001 had the Vorad warning system on the right side of the truck, and it worked fantastic. Forget all the other stuff. I know people yep. hated the smart cruise back then. I, I did not think it was that bad at all. And if we would have sold more of them, that would be a bulletproof system by now. But just the simple side-mounted radar that covered your entire blind spot, 
you had a, a little indicator light right over on the, the right side post. So your habit yep. is when, if I want to look, you know, you're looking at your right mirror, that little indicator light was right there. If it was green, nobody's in that space. If it was red, somebody's in that guy. space. Yeah. If I hit my right turn signal, I would get a loud beeping if somebody was in that space. That's a pretty damn simple system. Yeah. Why isn't that just on every truck? Yeah, yeah that's you know, exactly what I've got on mine. It, it's so It's pretty nice. much on every every new car these exactly. days. Exactly, right. Yeah, you get some, I, I, someone, and, and like I someone said, comes up beside you. That yeah. was available, and the technology for the side radar was virtually flawless the entire million miles I had that truck. The front radar and the smart cruise was, a, you know, there were some issues there, but we would have worked all those out. But that just that one simple piece on the right side of the truck would save an awful lot of accidents like you had. Yeah. And then the, the, the people I met by accident, they were actually the, from India. And um, she said, Oh, you probably didn't even you probably didn't even know we were there, and we said that. <laughs> oh, we probably can't see her. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! First yeah. I knew was when I heard the bang. But yeah, um, I, I have I, I secretly recorded them saying that they were not injured and they, oh, good, good. That they were all good, and it happened by C- accident. So, CYA. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. no doubt. All right, but uh, I get. I'll just I'll just search for a camera system and I got to get something. So. Yeah, there you go. You know, I, I don't even know. Just I don't know why somebody wouldn't make a simple bolt-on just radar, so we don't even need to mess with a camera and they a do. monitor. I, and, I, and, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Pretty I, I, sure that's out there. Um, you know, if it, I if I can find a link, Paul, I'll send it. I'll send it to you. But uh, I'm yeah. I'm almost positive that there's a. It may be even through Bendix that radar that I'm thinking about, but I'll look it up. Yeah, uh, Eaton, uh, Vorad was the system I had. Um, If I were able to replace the mirrors with cameras, then absolutely, give me cameras and monitors. If I still have to have those mirrors out there, I'd rather just throw a little radar system on the right side rather than deal with another camera and a monitor and all the complication of just for that side there. It's not going to do me a lot of good. Mm -hmm. Just put a radar system on nice and simple and... All right, we're going to wrap this up. One thing I want to uh, let people know, I thought this pretty interesting. Um, not for everybody, but uh, Joel, you may be interested in something like this with all the work you're doing and you're still out on the road. Um, Starlink, mm-hmm. the uh, satellite internet from Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I got the system um, early this year before I took off on my trip. It was pretty spectacular and supposedly mine wasn't supposed to work the way I was using it because back then up until just recently, you registered your system at a specific address and that's the only place they guaranteed it would work. And I was using it in a different place Mm. every day, but it worked flawlessly, even though they said it wasn't supposed to. Now they came out with a specific program, which I'm going to get on because I, I don't use my coach every week of the year, but I have to pay 150 bucks a month to keep my Starlink going. Um, what they've got now, they have, they're selling it to the RV market, but it's going to be perfect for trucks. Two things. They have a service now, instead of 150 a month, it's only 135 a month, and you turn it on and off whenever you want. A month at a time, turn it mm. off for a couple months, turn it right back on, 
perfect for me. I'll save a ton of money, but they've, and I'm struggling on whether I'm going to spend the money for this or not. I'm just not sure if I would use it enough. They are released. They've released it. You can order it right now. It's going to be shipping in a couple weeks. A new high performance flat dish, flat satellite panel, pretty small. Um, they'll have all the hardware to mount it on a vehicle and it will be full time mm -hmm. in motion. You ah, don't even have to be parked. Nice. Yeah. But the, if you want nice. their, their standard satellite dish or panel or whatever they call that thing, it's like a panel. Um, their standard is mm -hmm. 500 bucks, I think. That's what I paid for it. Um, this mm -hmm. new high performance in motion mounted on the vehicle is 2500 mm. That's gotcha. a little steep. But uh, if you need it or if you want it, um, yeah, if you need it, yeah, that's yeah, it, it'll yeah. sell big in, Absolutely. The, in the, the high end Absolutely. RV. Market. Hey, can you that do me a favor? Good. Yeah, send me a vector file with the uh, trucking technology and efficiency, and then your logo also. I want to stick them on the on the truck. I'm the truck's going to go to the show down at uh, uh, TMC in Orlando in early March. And all the vendors and people that I work with are going to have their logos on the truck. And I figured I'll throw yours on there as well. Excellent. Let me check right now. I'm going to, I'm asking, I'm texting Aaron to see if he's listening. Uh-oh. Oh, you there, Joel? Joel? Uh-oh. What happened? Uh, is anybody hearing me? Morgan, are you hearing me? Let's check the chat here. What happened? Oh, Joel dropped again. Oh, I wonder what happened. Um, all right. Uh, what should I do? Joel dropped. Uh, Aaron answered. Um, he heard it, so he will be sending Joel the vector file. Um now I just need to reach out to Joel because I'm going to wrap up the show here. We lost the call. I'm not going to wait to try to get it back. I got to get going. Um, I'll reach out to Joel, let him know it's coming. Um, or Aaron, Morgan, somebody, reach out to Joel, let him know that's coming. Um, I will be live on Monday. I'm giving you the schedule for next week before I wrap this up. I'll be live on Monday. Uh, you'll get a a new show on Tuesday, not live, and it's not the power hour. Uh, I'll be live on Wednesday, Destination Health with a guest. Thursday and Friday are both new recorded shows, so stuff you've never heard before, but they won't be live. So we will uh, see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.